0: I am not the greatest labeler of titles. I try to listen to the Holy Spirit. Lord, what do you want to call this one? If you're gifted in that area, let me know. Because honestly, uh, I could use some help. The King of Who. All right, that's the title of today's message. The King of Who. And it'll make more sense as we go through this. I want to invite you today to travel with me back into time, back into that first century where Jesus is teaching his disciples. So just pretend, just for a moment, your feet are dirty. All right? We've been walking along the path with our sandals, if if we're blessed enough to have sandals. And here's our master teaching us once again on the better things of heaven, all right? So he's going to talk to them uh, about what was to come. And and this this idea that he's going to share with them was really, I'm trying to think of the right word. They weren't ready for it. What he was going to tell them contradicted how they saw him at this point. Now, they knew that he was the Messiah. Peter said that. Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? And he said, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. All right, That was Peter's definition. So they knew who he was. And yet, it, what he was about to tell them, it unsettled them in so many ways. And I'm going to share that, and then we'll talk more about it. Jesus, the Son of Man. He must suffer. Now being that we're the week before Easter, I really wanted you to catch this. It's so important that we understand that Jesus paid an ultimate price so that you and I might have life in abundance. I want to read from Mark, chapter 8. I'm going to begin with verse 31, as you can see up there behind me. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must, what? Suffer. And not just a little bit, but he must suffer many terrible things and be rejected, by the elders the leading priests the teachers of the religious law this is a part that they didn't get not that they got the rest of it he said i will be killed but three days later will rise from the dead now if you were his follower and you heard him say this what would you do oh sweet high five jesus No, because to them, a leader, a king, well, they don't suffer like that. They don't put themselves in a place where they're going to suffer. They're victorious. There's a problem here. They're looking at what Jesus said with human eyes, human intellect, When God does things, it's not always the way that we think it should be done. How many of you have ever had that happen? You thought it was supposed to go one way and God did something different. It was still the better way. But it rocked your boat when it happened. It was like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. I want to point out a couple things here in this first passage first the son of man is a title that jesus gave himself so when you see that throughout the scripture in the in the new testament uh, that's what it's talking about is a title that jesus gave himself he also talks about in three days he would rise from the dead and i wanted to share this real quick this is out of matthew matthew 12 39 to 40 jesus was talking To a bunch of religious leaders and he said this he said only an evil adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah what happened to Jonah for as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for what three Three days. days ooh didn't we just hear him say that all right so will the son of man there we are again be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights so jesus quite literally is prophesying his death his burial and his resurrection in this passage are you still with me jesus was not going to suffer under the hands of criminals but through the direct actions of the jewish leaders these were the people that should have known better They should have understood why Jesus was there he fulfilled all the prophecies that were spoken of him and yet because their hearts were hard they didn't understand it hear me if your heart's hard you're not going to get it I can preach from one end of the Bible to the other and you won't understand a thing if your heart is hard so what's the remedy Thank you. The Lord has to, I like to say, shatter that heart of stone. That doesn't mean you have a full-blown heart attack and die or anything like that. We're talking spiritually here. But your spiritual heart has to be broken so that God can put it back together the way that it should be. But these religious leaders, the Jewish priests, The Sadducees, they didn't get it because their hearts had been hardened. Next, we see Jesus talking to Peter. Or Peter, I'm sorry, I've got that reversed. Peter talking to Jesus. Let me go back there. 32. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. So, what do we see here? Did Peter understand what Jesus was saying? Pretty obvious, right? In fact, Peter rebuked Jesus. Whoa. Everybody say, whoa. If Jesus were in this room right now, how many would dare to do that? I think I would be avoiding that one. All right? According to what I read, Peter was literally Rebuking Jesus like you would rebuke a demon. Yeah. He thought Jesus messed this up. Little did he know. Little did he know. Now, do you realize Jesus loved Peter? And he loves us, even when we blow it. That's why I love Peter. Because if Peter can get in, I can too maybe hopefully peter messed it up all the time and yet jesus still loved him in fact peter was one of his closest disciples god saw something in peter peter didn't even know was in there he saw a future in peter that peter didn't know was his future peter was going to grow the church But Peter didn't know that, at this point anyway. Let's get down to verse 33. There we are. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples. Then he reprimanded Peter. Uh Uh-oh. Get away from me, Satan. (laughs) Who wants to hear that from Jesus? No, not when it's directed at you, right? Peter messed up. You are seeing, say that last part with me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. How many know that this is a real issue with human beings? We often think we know what God wants to do through us, in us, for us. But in reality, that's not what he's trying to do. His ways are so much higher than our ways. And the way God thinks is so much different. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more in a minute. Jesus loved Peter. But looking at God from a human perspective was contradictory to what Jesus' mission was. And I've talked about this before. What was Jesus' mission? To save us, to usher in the kingdom of God. He came to show people His Father who loved them dearly. The Pillar Commentary puts it like this, to think in human terms, this is Peter, to think in human terms when human terms conflict with the things of God is no longer to be disciple of Jesus, but to be disciple of Satan. Now that's pretty serious language, but I believe it's true. What did Jesus say? You're either for me or... And that's where Peter had drawn a line in the sand when he rebuked Jesus, when he reprimanded him. Now, I want to look at uh, this really quickly. I'm not putting the whole thing up there, but the foolishness of the cross, that's what's identified by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1:18 through chapter 2, verse 5. I'm just going to share a couple of these scriptures, and I'm not putting them up, but I just wanted to read them. The message of the cross, verse 18, is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. See, I said this earlier. If your heart is hard, you're not going to realize what's happening. It's a very dangerous place to be. Can I get a good amen? But we who are being saved know that it is the power of God. What is the power of God? The cross. Can you say that with me? The cross is the power of God. Say it one more time. The cross is the power of God. And I don't mean the wooden cross. I mean what Jesus did on it. The action that God took on our behalf to save us from our sins. Verse 19, as the Scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and disregard the intelligence of the intelligent. So many people think they're so much wiser than God. We read about them every day in magazines and newspapers, online. These folks think that God is a myth. Why? Their hearts are hard. They'll never understand what the Lord's doing, until that changes. They need people like you and me to save them. Oops, I didn't mean to go there yet. My fingers are moving when I don't want them to. Verse 24, Corinthians 1. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, here it is, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the cross is the power of God. And here it's saying, Christ is the power of God. The two are synonymous. The action that Jesus took, allowing Himself to be hung on that cross, that resulted in Jesus taking all authority over all things, including things on this earth, including death. No longer does death have a hold on us. Because Jesus, through that beautiful act of love, through his death, his burial, his resurrection, it resulted in him coming out with the keys. Hallelujah. I'll talk more about this next Sunday. But just to know that the power of God is in the cross and through Christ allowed himself to be hung on it this foolish plan verse 25 this foolish plan of god is wiser than the wisest of human plans and god's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength can it get any clearer you see this is where paul i'm sorry peter had it wrong he thought jesus needed to come in with all those angels and take over and he will the day is coming he's going to but he had to take care of this first he had to resolve our sin issue which he did through his death and god said my way is higher than yours finally verse 27 to 29 instead god chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Are you getting this? Would you point at yourself and say, that's me? I'm the weak thing God is using. Can you see that? You don't believe it. Say it one more time with me. I'm the weak thing God is using in his wisdom in his wisdom hallelujah and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful do you know god can use you to defeat the devil some of you it's been the other way around for far too long what did we hear in that that word from julie today from the lord that's spoken through julie what did we hear power is on its way God wants to use you and me to defeat the devil. It's the church that wins the battle. Hello? You don't sound very convinced. Why? Because we're weak. Because we don't see ourselves like God sees us. When He looks at us and His Son is in us, we're filled with His Spirit. Do you know there's nothing we can't do? But we don't see ourselves that way. We come up with all kinds of excuses of why that can't happen, why God can't use us to do that. And all he's saying is, get out of the boat. I'm not going there. Peter again, right? Get out of the boat. I'm not going to do it because I, I would tumble and fall on Laura down here. We're afraid. If we understood all that God has in store for us, the power that's available, we wouldn't be licking our wounds day after day after day but instead we'd be saying greater is he that's in me than the one that's in this world that I am more than a conqueror Amen. through Christ Jesus my Lord yes. no weapon formed against me will prosper for I serve the king of kings the lord of lords hallelujah and according to the scriptures all of God's enemies will become His footstool. Can you picture that? Jesus kicking back. There's Satan under His feet. Where should Satan be? There's a song that we used to sing like that. I'm not going there today. Moving along. Back to Mark. By the way, I hope you realize that this is in the other two Gospels. What are the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, and Luke are are the synoptic Gospels. In in other words, they, they are similar, telling the similar stories, but they're told from different perspectives. And if you read them, it really does help to understand all about Jesus because they each come at it from a different angle. It's really kind of cool. You know, Luke wasn't a Jew. And yet, he was a doctor, though. So he understood so many things. Matthew, we know he was a Jew because he was a what? He was a, Jew. he was a Roman tax collector, but he was a Jewish person. And then Mark. Now Mark, according to what I've understood the Bible has, has to say, He got all his information, because he was a young guy, he got his information from Peter. Directly from Peter. So as he wrote this, the book of Mark, he's actually getting the stories from Peter. So when Peter tells on himself, what does that say about Peter? He's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. He sticks his foot in his mouth a lot. But he's willing to fess up and say, you know what, I'm not all that. I want everybody to know that. I messed up. Of course, he did it a few more times too. We won't go there today. Here's where it gets interesting. Jesus speaking, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. How many think that's good news? news. One scholar translates this as saying, whoever will not take up his cross as I do will not be worthy of me. What does it mean? What does this passage say to you? If you'll just bear with me first, let's look at at this. To be unselfish. Don't raise your hand how many are selfish in this room you got to have everything your way what are you having for dinner i don't like that what movie are we going to see i don't like that it's all about me let's pick the movie i want to watch how many of your spouses have given up even suggesting because it's always about you you always get your way If that happens in your family, that means you're selfish. Are you still with me? Don't cast stones at me. I'm just telling you the truth. To be unselfish means that you must be willing to give of yourself for the benefit of others. Until and even when it hurts. How many are willing to do that? The life that That Jesus paid for for you that abundant life that eternal life how many are willing on this side of heaven to use it to spend it if I can put it that way for the benefit of others and yet we get up every morning thinking "Ah, what am I gonna do today what am I gonna get out of this what can I do today to have fun Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) What's Jesus saying? He's saying, don't be selfish. Are you unselfish? The next part, we love this one. Take up your cross. How many can say, "Ooh"? I always get excited about it. Not in a good way, though. It freaks me out. Because I know what it means. I've been studying this long enough to understand that when you say, I will pick up my cross, it means I'm all in. I'm going to do it Jesus' way. And yet, how many of us do? How many of us do? So what does it mean to you? Pick up your cross and follow Him. Sacrifice. I like that. That's a good word. I, I'm sorry, you've got to yell it louder. Live for others. That's that unselfish thing again. But it's truth. Die to, Die to self. We hear that a lot in Scripture, don't we? The old man's dead. Hallelujah. Bury him, right? And use the life God's redeemed, that's another word we in Christendom, used the life that God redeemed to bring him glory and praise and honor, right? So, the natural question is, after we've gone through... By the way, I was going to say this. In this century, when we think of the cross, often it's, it's a necklace, how many do you see wearing a necklace it's a it's a piece of jewelry people that aren't even saved they just like the way it looks and they wear it how did people look at it during Jesus time (laughs) well first because it was so real they didn't want to be near it right It was an anathema. It was was the person that was hung on the cross was cursed in their eyes. It was reserved for those in low places. You know, nobody of, of, of any influence was ever hung on the cross. That just didn't happen until Christianity came along. So what I want you to see is their idea that that roman that roman tool that they used to beat people down the christians in the first century did not want anything to do with it are you still with me all right good the last part of this This thing moves so slow. We're going to take care of that soon. To give up your life. It's bad enough you've got to pick up your cross. Jesus said you need to give up your life. Does that mean that you go out and commit suicide? Thank you, because I just want to clear that up. Spiritually speaking, right? Look at your neighbor and say, spiritually speaking. You are to give up your life. That's what Jesus said. You want to be my disciple? You must lose your life. How many like the thought of that? And what does it mean? What does it mean to you? Surrender. Oh, I like that. Surrender to who? Your will be done, not mine. Who are you talking about? God, thank you. Just clarifying, all right? What else? Say it again. Redemption. There's another Christian word. We like that. It's like redeemed. It's just longer. <laughs> redemption. Same thing. God paid the price that we should have paid. That's what redemption means. Jesus paid the price for us to go to heaven. What it means to me is nothing else can be more important than your relationship with the Lord. Not your job, not your family, not your ministry, nothing. God has to be number one. Uno, he must be number one in your life. Nothing else can have priority over him. That means when you get up in the morning, you're thinking about Him. Midday, you're thinking about Him. What does He want me to do? You're going to bed at night thinking about Him. What's a great way to do that? You got one on your lap. Hold that up. Get that Bible out, man. Morning, noon, and night. You got your phones, your iPhones? Pull that thing out. Get a Bible app on there if you don't have it. And go through the Word. It will help you. And it reminds you of the things you need to do to lose your life. God's way. God's way. It's important that I add that part. Do you remember the rich, young ruler? Aaron talked about this a couple weeks ago. He identified the rich, young ruler who came to Jesus and said, Lord, I've done all that. And meaning he'd kept all the commands. What did Jesus say? What must I do now? And what did Jesus tell him? one thing you must get rid of your wealth it can't it can't be higher than me if it is it has to go and what did the young man do he walked away because he couldn't give up his riches he had to have that money And there's nothing wrong materially with money unless it has a hold on you. We all need money. You have to have money to buy things. We send a check to uh, the national office every month for our missionaries to keep them supported so they can continue going out on the field and giving. And we, we send money to local missions as well. Without that, the church wouldn't be very effective. But that rich young ruler was unwilling to give up his life to become a disciple of Jesus. So, final little question here. Have you given up your life for God? Now I hope this this doesn't um, seem weird. But what I want to do is I want to shift to... A video so you guys get that cued up are you ready that first one Palm Sunday and after we hear this I'm gonna come back and talk but I'm gonna jump and then I'll have you guys uh, start me at mark 11 when I come back all right so watch this and then we'll talk more I thought a little humor was good do you know God has a sense of humor I think sometimes we get too serious. We take ourselves too serious. And God's up there just smiling, going, oh, if they'd get a clue. He has a sense of humor. What I want to do is just go through uh, Mark 11. And and like I said, uh, I think it might be the one before that, that if I have control. Oh, got to turn it back on. There we go. Sorry, guys. Blaming you, and it was me. There. This is found in all of those passages. So Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Are you with me? All right. This is the synoptic gospel. All right. That just means the three of them agree with each other. As they approached, the first part, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, I looked that up. And Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Now the colt could be a horse, but typically it's not. It is a donkey. The next part of this, if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, what? What? The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. So did he steal it? No. No. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied it at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered, as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. So obviously the Lord knew this was coming, and how did he know that? Some say because he's God. How about because he was so close to his father that in prayer the Lord showed him this? And it's no different for for you and I today. The Lord wants to show us future tense things if we only listen. Do you have the Holy Spirit? You have the same stuff that Jesus had. Jesus set aside his crown so that he could become a man. What did he call himself? What was his? Son of man. man. There's a reason he called himself that. Because he knew that he was man. And he had set aside his divinity, if you will, to accomplish this task. When they brought the colt to Jesus, the next part of this, and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. And those were, of course, the palm branches. Finally, those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. And what's Hosanna mean? Praise him or save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. In the book of Luke, and I'm only going to share one verse. Luke actually identifies it, that they say this. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. So Luke saw him as king. And he identified him as such Um, this is also made clear in Luke 131 you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him what Jesus he will be very great and he will be called the son of the Most High the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Who are we talking about? Jesus. Jesus. King Jesus. That's right. Now I wanted to get to this last part, and I'm, I'm getting close to the end. And Luke, after he went through this the city and the people all, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise him, praise him, save us, save us, throwing their stuff down. He got a glimpse of Jerusalem and that's actually a picture of, a modern picture of Jerusalem there. What's it say happened? Jesus saw the city ahead and he began to what? There are three places he does this and and here, the reason that I believe he wept was because he He saw the hard hearts of these people and they wouldn't receive his message. Here was God in the flesh right in front of them doing miracle after miracle forgiving sins and they just wouldn't buy it. Nope, doesn't line up with my theology. I don't know who you are but you can't be the messiah. And here Jesus was about to give his life for them. And I think he really felt that. Why am I doing this? But he saw you and me. He saw his future tense. I believe that's why he was able to do it. Because he knew it would benefit many. One last one. And I'm only showing you this just so that you kind of get a glimpse of where i'm going today very early in the morning the leading priests the elders the teachers of the religious law the entire high council met to discuss their next step so this would be next thursday all right or this coming thursday i'm sorry they they bound jesus they led him away they took him to pilate the roman governor and here listen to this pilate asked jesus are you the king of the jews Jesus replied, you have said it. In some of the versions it says, it is what you say. Jesus was the king. But he wasn't the king of the Jews like they thought he was supposed to be. He didn't come to, to take over Caesar's spot. He came usher in the kingdom of god and he's going to rule with an iron scepter one day but until then you and i have to decide who are we serving who is jesus to us jesus said i have to suffer i have to go to the cross for your sake if i'm going to be your king i have to allow myself to be killed And he went through that process because of his love for us. Who do you say Jesus is as I begin to wrap this up? Who do you say he is? Is Jesus your king? Would you stand with me? Does he rule your life? Or are you still seated on your own throne, the throne of your heart? Are you selfish or are you unselfish? You know, if you're selfish, you won't give your life to him. Have you picked up your cross? or Are you still holding things back? It's mine, it's mine. as we reflect on this this week and i would ask between now and if you're able to join us good friday i think it's going to be a powerful service if you're not able to come friday and you can only come back on sunday i hope to see you there but i just want you to think about this this week honor the lord with your life king jesus went to the cross for you and me he gave his all for us Though salvation is free to us, it costs Jesus everything. And what Jesus expects from His disciples in return for that gift of salvation and that eternal life is an unwavering, self-sacrificing allegiance to Him. Does that make sense? So when you say, I want to pick up my cross and follow him you're really saying i'm going to be loyal to the kingdom of god he's number one in my life and until he comes back i'm going to be faithful how many would say that's me amen hallelujah would you raise your hands that's you both of them if you can hallelujah i know sometimes it's hard oh some of us this is the only workout we get all week Father, thank you. Hosanna. Can you wave? Do a wave. Hosanna. 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 (laughs) Lord, save us. We praise you. We praise the name of Jesus. King Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us peace. Thank you for Sharing your wisdom, Lord with us. thank you for leading us to the cross and Lord on bended knee today we humble ourselves and we say thank you Lord. I dedicate my life to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah hallelujah. He is so worthy. So worthy. And if you haven't done this, do it this week. Find a place somewhere in your private place, your prayer closet, or whatever you call it. And get on your knees and say, Lord, I, I bend my knee to you. The Bible says that every knee will bow, every heart will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And if you haven't done it on this side of heaven, you're going to do it on the other, and then you're not going to end up in heaven. So do it now. <laughs> it's not a threat. It's just good wisdom. Right? Who wants to go to hell? <laughs> I hope none of you. Whoo! we get a toot on that horn? Thank you, Jesus, for ministering to us today. Holy Spirit filling us afresh and anew for all those folks that came up and got cleansed today Lord put that burning fire in all of us today help us to see those who need to hear the good news and Lord this week as we meditate on your sacrifice for us I pray it would become real to us what you did and Lord we'd come back next week just with with a renewed sense of how awesome you are and an expectation, Lord, that you're going to do amazing, miraculous, wonderful, powerful things in your church, in the people of God. And as we go out of here today, Lord, may, may Hosanna rise from us, the praises from our hearts, the thankfulness for our salvation. Lord, keep us safe in our coming and in our going. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great, make sure and greet somebody you haven't met yet. Help. Jump on all these ladies over, not literally, but all these ladies over here. They they come out and they join us, and we love having you guys. Get over there and introduce yourself to them.